Well, hey everyone, good morning, and welcome to Resurrection City Church. My name is Joel, and I am one of the pastors here at Res City, in case it is your first time joining us, whether here in person or online, we're thankful to have you here joining us this Sunday morning. Hope you're staying nice and warm on this chilly, uh, chilly Valentine's Day. We're, we're hopeful it's the coldest day of the year, and we can just get it out of the way. Uh, and next Sunday looks a lot warmer, so hopefully we are on the upswing uh, after this. But um, good to see you all this Sunday morning here. We are in uh, a series um, kind of unpacking the biblical concept of wisdom. And uh, wisdom is this idea that is kind of woven into the whole Bible, um, but we find it kind of really uh, unpacked and um, kind of fleshed out in several books in the Old Testament. And so what we're doing is we're walking through uh, kind of in in four sermons apiece each of these different books in the Old Testament. That'll kind of be our spring uh, this year. And we are in the first book, the book of Proverbs right now, which is kind of the book everybody, you know, if you, if you have grown up going to church or you are an avid reader of your Bible, you kind of probably go right to this book, the book of Proverbs, uh, when it comes to wisdom. And so we've kind of talked in the, in, in the last few weeks about how wisdom is something that is kind of woven throughout all creation that God has, has put there. Uh, wisdom leads us to life. Uh, wisdom has a, a, a lot of sort of value to it that comes to us for a lot of different ways and kind of is applicable in all different parts of our lives. And so we've kind of been unpacking all of that stuff. And last week, we talked about different characteristics of, of the wise, people who, who listen to this character in the book called Lady Wisdom, who kind of comes and, and, and gives guidance to those who are willing to listen to her. Uh, and we talked last week about how she kind of tries to put herself in, in the public square of the day. Uh, and this is in Proverbs 1. And she's trying to get people to listen to her. Now, if you move a little bit later in the book of Proverbs to chapter 9, you find another character who is doing the same thing as Lady Wisdom, but her name is Lady Folly. And so in Proverbs 9, 13 to 18, we get a similar picture to what we talked about last week. The woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. So she's kind of making a similar plea for people to hear what she has to say and to kind of come and take her wisdom, but Proverbs is telling us to avoid this. Okay, to get a better picture of, of, I think, how we can think about this, I want to take you back to picture 10, 11, 12-year-old Joel. I don't remember exactly how old I was, okay? But I, I, I'm young, okay? But I know how to use a computer at this point. And um, we didn't have internet growing up until a certain point, so what, what, we, what I would do to kind of get my internet fixed a lot of times is um, after uh, school was over, I would uh, go to my dad's office. My dad's also a teacher, so i go to his school building, and I would just sort of surf the web in his office every day after school. And if, if you know me, you're probably not surprised to know that I was typically trying to figure out how I could join a fantasy football league without an email address, um, or how I could use my dad's email address to sign up for Fantasy Football League and not tell him. Um, you know, this is, this is what I was mostly doing. But one day I was sitting there and I got a pop-up ad that came to me. And it said, like, you're a lucky winner of a trip to Disney World and Daytona Beach. Just click here. And I'm like, whoa. I thought we were so lucky that we had gotten picked for this. So I clicked it 
And I run, I run and tell my dad, because it said the offer expired if, if we didn't you know, act soon. So I ran and grabbed my dad and I pulled him back into the room. And I'm like, dad, look what happened. And somehow I actually convinced my dad to call the number and we actually did go on a trip to Florida and all that had, and it, there was actually a lot of it was free. It was, it was kind of amazing looking back on it now. My parents just had to sit through like a four hour timeshare uh, like thing where, where they kind of tried to sell my family on buying this timeshare. And my parents were like, we'll actually bite the bullet and we'll just do this. So it was actually a pretty fun trip to Disney World that my family took because I clicked a pop-up ad. But if you know enough about pop-up ads, you know you typically don't want to click them because they usually don't work out like that, right? Okay, when Lady Folly is sort of kind of getting us to kind of listen to her, it's a, it's a pop-up ad, right? It seems like it'll offer you like something really great and you might feel like a lucky winner. If you do this thing, you'll get a huge reward for it, but it almost always ends in disaster, just like clicking a pop-up ad. You'll get some, some virus on your computer or whatever, right? It usually doesn't end well. This is, what, this is what it looks like for us to sort of pay attention to Lady Folly in the book of Proverbs. She's looking for someone to who she can kind of say, hey, you, you look like a dummy or you look like a 10-year-old boy who doesn't know how to use the internet. Click on me and I've got a huge deal for you and you can do what I say and I promise you it'll work out great and it usually doesn't, right? And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna kind of talk through different pitfalls of following Lady Folly as, as the book of Proverbs sort of lays it out. And when you, when you kind of dig into the book, you kind of find four different types of folly, four different words um, to describe uh, types of folly or people who kind of fall into this trap of lady folly, all right? And so here's, here's what they are. We'll spend time on each, each of these four. The simpleton, the lazy, the fool, and the mocker. Those are the words that you find in the book of Proverbs. So we'll kind of explain what all of those mean and don't mean and try to give you uh, a, a picture of what they look like. Now, they're extremes, okay? I think that's good to note, but they're tendencies that manifest in us even in small ways. And so the point is today for us to, a, to recognize people with these traits and to try to not let them influence us. And then B, to sort of understand these tendencies inside of ourselves and try to weed them out as much as we can. Or, as Dwight Schrute would say, Whatever, whenever I'm about to do something, I think, would an idiot do that? And if they would, I do not do that thing, okay? So you can think of what we're about to talk about today as this as well, okay? All right, so let's get into it. Let's get into that first one, the simpleton. Now, we don't need to spend a bunch of time on this. We actually kind of, and I'll talk about this here in a second, we kind of talked a little bit about the inverse of this last week. And let me just say this up front. This, the, the word simpleton or the idea of simpleton in, the, in Proverbs has nothing to do with intelligence or IQ or anything like that, okay? It has nothing to do with that. It, it's about something else. The, the word um, in, in Hebrew is pethi, and actually the, the, the word has a verb form, which means to deceive or seduce, all right, so the noun form of this, when applied to a person, is someone who has been deceived or seduced easily. That's what's going on here. So it's someone who kind of thinks about things simply, is kind of unwilling to think about them critically. And so it becomes kind of the, like I said, the inverse of what we talked about last week. Remember we talked last week about how wisdom calls us to sort of 
take, a, take what I call the read step. I kind of use this analogy for playing a baseball in the outfield. When, when the ball comes off the bat, a lot of times it's hard to judge it right away to, to figure out if it's actually going to land in front of you or behind you. And so what you want to do is you just want to pick your foot up and set it down again to try to get a better sense for where the ball is going. This person is someone who doesn't take a read step. All right, they see the ball come off the bat and they start sprinting in right away or they turn around and they're not even looking at the ball. They're like, I'm gonna get right to the fence and it'll be right there for me. And then they find out they completely misread it, but they reacted too quickly. It's a person who is sort of quick to believe anything. Uh, it's, it's someone who's gullible, who's kind of led along without really thinking about what's happening to them. They'll see anything on social media, they'll hear any piece of information, and they'll give, give a sort of knee-jerk reaction to it. And so, I won't, I won't go through this whole thing for you, but in Proverbs 7, we get a really good uh, picture of this. And it's a kind of a knucklehead who gets seduced into having an affair. Okay, this is kind of like the most pronounced version of it in the book of, of Proverbs. It's a little story. And, and, the, and a commentator uh, named Derek Kidner says, this, at, their, at their most sort of uh, pronounced version in, in Proverbs 7, we see someone who's aimless, who's aimless, who's inexperienced, who's sort of drifting into temptation, indeed is almost courting it, right? It almost seems like they don't mind. They kind of are looking to, for this to happen to them. They're always sort of throwing themselves into things. So that's this, this, this idea of the simpleton in the book of Proverbs. Now the next one I want to talk about, and I want to spend some more time on this in the next three, is sort of the equal and opposite error of the simpleton. Okay, and that is the, the, it's kind of a few different words you might see get used, the sluggard or the lazy person. Now I actually wonder if for us the word apathy or apathetic might be a better word to sort of get at some of this, to sort of understand what it means. Okay, um, but in the book of Proverbs, like I said, we find ourselves presented with extremes of these things. And so in the book of Proverbs, the, 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 the sluggard or the lazy person is like a figure of tragic comedy, right? Uh, someone with this, their sheer animal laziness, like they won't do anything at all. All right, but, but it's, it's interesting when we get into it to kind of see what types of things they will and won't do. And again, the same commentator, Derek Kidner, says, they will not begin things, they will not finish things, and they will not face things. All right, let me re read that again. I think that's really helpful. They will not begin things, they will not finish things, and they will not face things. Now, this isn't the same as having healthy boundaries around us. I think it's important for us to have healthy boundaries around us to be able to say no, right? It, 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 it's it's not, not about saying no to one thing in order to say yes to another it, when we're talking about the sluggard, okay? It's not that, so, it's good for us to sometimes say no to things so that we can say yes to other things, but the sluggard, the lazy, the apathetic person, they're saying no to everything. They don't want to say yes to anything at all. It's taking this idea of good boundaries and kind of using it as an excuse to do nothing. Okay, so example here, Proverbs 22, 13. The lazy person claims, there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. All right, so this is kind of an, an, like a ridiculous excuse to not go outside, right? Like, yes, I suppose there could be a lion outside. 
if you live in the Middle East at least where this is taking place. There could be something dangerous out there, but that doesn't mean you should never leave your house, right? Um, Just because you can think of all the things that could possibly go wrong with doing this thing doesn't mean you should never do anything. But that's kind of the rationale that we see the lazy give, right? It might seem prudent, but it's an extreme error kind of of last, you know, that idea of the read step, right? Of kind of pausing to consider things, right? It kind of takes that to a, a, a illogical extreme to say, well, I'm just gonna sit and ponder everything and, and the most logical thing would to be to do nothing, right? The, the, the wise instead, they, are, they wanna consider info, they, wanna, they don't wanna act rashly, but they still wanna catch the ball, right? They still understand the job is to try to catch the pop fly, right? Th- th- this person is convincing themselves like, I don't even need to catch the ball. What's, what's the point in catching the ball? Now, I think the reason is, is because they either just don't care or prob- probably more often they're afraid of something. And this is different than fear of the Lord. This is a sort of fear of something else, whether it's a loss of comfort, of sacrifice, a fear of failure, I think is probably at the heart of this a lot of times for people. And what happens is when, when you start to really think a lot like this, Proverbs says, you start to find yourself being, you know, having a sort of wisdom. So Proverbs 26, 18 says, lazy people consider themselves smarter than seven wise counselors. They start to kind of convince themselves, actually, this is genius to not go ahead and do anything. We're going to rationalize this apathy or this fear, even if trusted people around me, people who might have other opinions or be willing to kind of look at this from a different angle, are saying, I actually don't know if that's totally right. Okay, uh, the, the lazy person convinces themselves that something is a healthy boundary when in reality they just wanna watch Netflix or they just are afraid to go do anything at all. They're afraid of failing, they're afraid of confronting something, they're afraid of beginning something and not being able to see it through, right? Whatever it is, but they're rationalizing it. They're trying to kind of tell themselves this is actually the smartest thing out there. Now I think it would be a mistake to say that that this person, the slugger, doesn't have any desire or hope. That's actually not true, or at least most of the time. And Proverbs 13.4 says, lazy people want much, but they get little, but those who work hard will prosper. Okay, here's what they actually want. They want, they still want to get the full reward, but they want to put in the least amount of work possible to receive it. Okay, there's kind of a sense of entitlement. Like, if I just put in any work or, or, or no work at all, I should still get what I want. That's kind of, I think, the mindset of a lot of people who have this. And if we're honest, I think this is kind of a common mindset of a, that we find a lot of times today. We're tempted towards this. Okay, it kind of expects maybe quick or easy fame, expects something should be handed to us um, without us having to do any work, right? We want the full reward and we want to put in the least amount of work possible to get there, right? It looks like starting something, maybe finding out it's going to be harder than we anticipated, and then quitting, and then moving on to something else, hoping to get a different result, right? Hoping that maybe in this instance, the thing I want will just be given to me without having to do any work. Uh, I think we see this a lot of times uh, in, you know, in how we try to approach change in society too, right? Everybody is, you know, completely fine you know, spending one minute posting on social media about how they think there's a terrible issue in the world and we should do something about it. But they kind of think, hey, if I just post about it on social media, everyone will know I'm a good person and then they don't actually have to do anything else after that, right? I get the full reward, which is, if we're being honest, is that people think I'm a good person, okay? That's actually what 
the reward a lot of times people have when it comes to this stuff is. So if I post about it on social media, I, I show people I care, then I don't have to do anything else beyond that. And I think that's sort of typical of this mindset. It says, I want this reward. I want people to think I'm a good person. I'm a successful person. I'm a smart person. And I'm going to try to really think about the least amount of work I can possibly do to get that from people. And as soon as I think I have it, I'm done. Like Netflix is going on, you know, we're moving on to the next thing. That's, that's what people are looking for. And I think wisdom calls us to realize that in order to get the reward for something, we have to be willing to put the time in to get it, right? We, we can't just expect things to be given to us. We have to have patience. We have to have willingness to, to wait, sometimes for a long time, in order to get the thing that we're working towards, Okay, Some, that doesn't mean just a few days, a few weeks, even just even a few months. Sometimes we have to be willing to wait longer than that to sort of get the thing that we're hoping to get. And that's, but that's not a bad thing. And, and the wise people that the Proverbs talks about, they can handle failure and bounce back from it. Okay, so Proverbs 24, 16 says, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Okay, we might get knocked down sometimes, even unfairly, in the midst of us trying to work hard for something. Okay, but we have to be persistent at doing what is good and working hard. We have to be prepared to put the work in, not have a sort of sense of entitlement, and know that we can get the reward by by doing and not just sort of signaling that we're hard workers, right? Just kind of putting the illusion around us that we work hard is not what Proverbs is calling us to, to, to do, right? It's not concerned with what other people think about us, but about how much we're willing to actually work and how much we care about how God views us, the one who is not gonna be tricked by our social media posts or you know how good of a game we talk to others and we talk about like, I've been so busy lately or whatever, right? That's, that's what Proverbs is calling us to be and to avoid this trap of sort of falling into the, the, the sluggard or the lazy or the apathetic person. All right, so that's that. Let's move on to the next, uh, the next person the book of Proverbs talks about, the fool. Now, there, this is kind of a general term. You actually find three different words in the Hebrew that, that get translated to describe it. Um, but but the generally, it's getting at this idea of someone who has no patience for wisdom. They don't want to be corrected. They don't want to hold their tongue. They, don't, they want to move unthinkingly toward whatever situation they're in. And they're sort of spurred on by unhelpful thinking or information. So Proverbs 15, 14. A wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. Instead of Paying for the real thing, instead of searching it out, trying to actually get it, they'll kind of settle for the knockoff version if it means they can sort of just move forward in the thing that they want to do. And so what happens a lot of times is, is this, you know, gross picture. I know you might have heard this one before. This is kind of a famous proverb. 26.11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. Now here's what this looks like in, in, in actuality. It's someone who has sort of failed in the past, but refuses to learn from it. Sort of re- refuses to be corrected from, from kind of a mindset that they've had in the past, whatever that might be, has gone and has kind of resulted in a, in a bad response, one that they know is probably bad, but instead of changing, instead of choosing to try and grow, they just throw themselves back into it, sort of hoping for or expecting a new result, despite the fact that it's basically the same thing that they did last time. Okay? It's someone who is, seems committed to this path of foolishness with, with no desire for growth. And if we're honest, we, we probably know people like this and you can probably think of times in your life where you've done this too. 
right? I think if you're honest, you can think of areas where maybe you just are like, I, yeah, I don't care about growth in this area for whatever reason that is, okay? And the truth is that when this happens, when this is us or when it's someone else we can think of, what happens is deep down, we kind of like our folly. Like we kind of like the, the mindset or the thinking that has gotten us to that place over and over again, even if we know it's not gonna probably work out well. Even if we're, we're sort of saying like, the last nine times I did this thing, it didn't work out, but number... Time number 10, it's I'm finally gonna be right this time, all right? And that, I think, when we, when we think about it like that, we, we figure out what's truly in our hearts in those moments, is we wanna be right. Like, that's what we're actually looking for. We're, we're not actually, care, we don't care about growing, we just wanna be right. We just wanna sort of have the, the, the pride to know that we were right, and other people might have been wrong. They might have told us, that, you know, you shouldn't do this thing again, it's not gonna work out well, but we wanted to prove to them we were right, and so we sort of committed ourselves to this thing. And Proverbs says that this thing is foolishness. Now, the, the, the thing here, and, and we'll, we'll kind of touch on this, and we've been touching on this over and over again, is wisdom, remember, we talked about this in the first sermon, it begins with this thing called fear of the Lord. And we talked about how fear of the Lord is, is a humble posture, among other things. It's a willingness to be humble before God and to say, we're not right. Like, we're often not right. We're actually wrong a lot of times, right? When we have the humility of the fear of the Lord, we are willing to sort of change where we're going and not be committed to the foolishness that says we have to be right, even if, even if this has led us to, um, to, to, to bad places in the past, right? And so that's why... Again, this humility that is created when we're willing to fear the Lord is sort of the first step towards attaining wisdom. And there's a great example of it right here. Now, uh, Proverbs has more to say about this, right? Proverbs 17, 12, better to meet a bear robbed of her cubs than a fool bent on folly. If you know someone like this, right, or, or you're, you're like this yourself, you're sort of committed to being right no matter what, it's better to remove yourself from the blast radius, Right? It's better to try to avoid the fallout of it as much as you can. We can see someone headed down this route because it's probably not going to end well. Right? You're probably going to get hurt in it as well and others are going to get hurt in part of this. So that's, that's the point. Right? That's the, kind of the point of this is when someone is committed to this, to being right, they, just, they don't want to be persuaded. And if that's where they're at, then Proverbs says, then, then you can remove yourself from the situation there. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more with this next uh, person as well here, okay? So this is the last sort of type of folly that we find in the book of Proverbs, and, and it's called the scoffer or the mocker. You see this in different translations. One of these different words will get used to describe this person. The scoffer or the mocker. Now this one's a little bit different than uh, the other three types, I think. It's not sort of the random mischief sometimes of an ordinary fool, but it's a deeper damage that is often done by this person because it's, they're, de they're deliberately trying to cause trouble many times. Now, I think there are degrees to this, okay? So the first one, the first one is this. This is sort of the lighter degree of this, um, but Proverbs has harsh words to say about it. Um, Proverbs 16, or tw sorry, 26, 18 and 9. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. I'll be honest, 
I just, when I came across this verse when I was studying Proverbs earlier, I was like, I gotta make sure this verse ends up in the series somewhere because it's so good. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says I was only joking. Okay, but we see what, what this looks like oftentimes, right? The overly sarcastic person who sort of knows that they're harming people with their retorts, right? They're sort of aimed at making people believe something that's not fair or untrue. It's kind of emphasizing something that's, you know, maybe there's a kernel of truth to it, but it, it's turned up too much. And, and, and the goal is to harm people in how you use your words here, right? But then, but then you pull back on it. You're like, I'm just kidding, dude. Don't take, what, don't take that seriously. I was just joking with you. And deep down you know, no, I was serious. I wanted you to be burned by that. I wanted that thing to sting a little bit, but I wanted to remove myself from responsibility for it by telling you I was just joking. It's kind of a win-win, right? Because you get to hurt the person who you wanted to hurt, but you don't have to take any responsibility for it because it was just a joke, Okay, that's one, that's one way in which this plays out here. And I think, again, we've all done this. But I think some people find themselves maybe more prone to this than others. That's at the lighter end of this idea of the scoffer or the mocker. But there's, there's kind of a more dangerous form that we find um, as we kind of move on the scale towards that. And, and Proverbs says, has verses like this. So Proverbs 29.8. Mockers can get a whole town agitated, but the wise will calm, an- calm anger. Proverbs 22.10, throw out the mocker and fighting goes too. Quarrels and insults will disappear. Okay, the picture we get from, from the mocker here or the scoffer in verses like this is someone who's sort of out there to cause trouble, to sort of stir division, who is trying to instigate, to get people agitated because they get a sort of enjoyment out of it, right? It, it's kind of what, what gets them up in the morning some days, right? It's just going out and, 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 and hurting other people or stirring up division. And what happens with, with this type of person we find in the book of Proverbs is they end up stirring other people who fall into other types of folly into stuff. They stir, stir fools up, people who are looking to get caught up in things, right? We talked about people like this, sort of telling the foolish what they want to hear, stirring them to, to want to be right maybe, right? We, we would find that the other people can get wrapped up in this stuff if they're not committed to wisdom in other ways as well. And that's, that's the point of this. Now, you might think when, when I say this, yeah, you know, there's a few people out there, like they're out there like that, maybe, but most people avoid this, all right? Okay, if that's what you're thinking right now, when you get home, I want you to go on YouTube and find some music video or some video of some famous person and just start reading the comments, okay? And then ask yourself if this is actually such a rare thing, all right? I don't know what it is about social media. I think it's the ability for us to have anonymity and tell people what we actually think. We can sort of get out there and sort of cause and stir division in ways that aren't gonna really bounce back on us poorly, but it really seems to draw this out in people. Social media does, all right? And, and so it, I, I, think, I think we may, might be a little bit shocked, but I think it kind of shows that this is, in, this is in us more than we like to realize, uh, and in the right situations, it'll come out, um, especially when it won't bounce back on us in bad ways. Now, last week we talked about how friends are worth more than enemies. For, that's what wisdom tells us. And we talked a lot about how our goal, if we're seeking wisdom out, is to try to be building bridges and not burning them. And we should be trying to do that in every situation we possibly can. Okay? But 
Sometimes that's not possible. And I think we have to recognize that, and Proverbs is telling us that too. In verse 10, 22.10 there, it says, throw out the mocker and fighting goes too. Quarrel and insults will disappear. If you're looking to avoid fighting and quarrels and insults, sometimes you do need to, you need to remove a person from a situation. Okay? Sometimes you need to avoid a certain person. Okay, Proverbs says the best response is to not try to go toe-to-toe with people. It's not to go back and forth in the comment section on Facebook. If you post something and someone has to get in their dig, right, it's not to go back and forth with them over and over again. That is not the response. Because that's, that's what these people's goals are, right? They want the fight. Okay, so they're hoping you respond. They're hoping you jump in and try to challenge them because then you, they can pull you down with them. And Proverbs says it's best to just avoid that when that's when people's um, motives are. Now, sometimes we do need to confront, all right? So it's good to know what that looks like and how we can do that wisely. And actually, in other parts of the Bible, we get some good pictures of this. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, talks about quarrels and insults within the church, and he kind of talks about what it looks like for us to engage, but also remove ourselves or people from situations if we have to. He says, have patience when you're engaging, warn people once or, or, and twice if you can, but after that, if you've done it twice, if you've sort of come to them twice and, and there's no positive response, no desire to grow, no desire to stop uh, the division that is being sown, then avoid them at that point. And Jesus actually says as well, have candid but private meetings. He says, go to them in secret or go to them in private and try to uh, talk with them about it there because you have a better chance of getting them to repent or to turn if you go to them in person. There's no ability for them to make a scene, no ability for them to sort of get their agenda out there. It's just in private. There's not, not much they can do and you might be able to win them to repentance there. Okay, But when you can't, that's the time to move on. And, and I think what we're talking about in the church is good for us in other settings too. Right? If it's good enough for in the church, I think it works for outside of the church as well. And, and I actually just read this this morning. It was very timely to come across this. But Dan Doriani says that the command to avoid them releases leaders, family members, friends, and coworkers from the perceived obligation and burden to stay in demonstrably futile uh, relationships. It lets tender people break with people who use and abuse them. It lets managers dismiss chronic malcontents and allows businesses to stop placating implacable clients. Right? It sort of frees us from the sort of the good goal or desire that we have when, it, when, when we follow wisdom that says try to create friends and not enemies. It allows us to say, no, this person doesn't want to be friends. Right? They, they're looking for an antagonistic relationship. And it sort of frees us from the burden of that at a certain point. That's a good thing for us to remove ourselves from. Okay? So when we find someone who is just as committed to this type of stuff, like it seems like the, the, the person that Proverbs is talking about is, we ought to try to keep them away from situations where they can instigate and when possible or if necessary, ignore. Sometimes you can't, right? And that's important to note. Okay? Sometimes we need to confront or we need to limit to some degree. But remember, okay, whenever we get into that situation, it's easy to get dragged into the conflict and get pushed to act just like they do, right? And the biggest thing we want to do is resist turning into mockers and scoffers ourselves, right? That is an easy thing for us, okay? It's in all of us. Some people, it's closer to the surface than others, but I can speak from personal experience. In times where I've chosen to engage with someone like this, I found myself 
looking no better than them at the end sometimes. All right, We have to reckon with the fact that um, when we take away opportunities for quarrel, we're really sort of taking away the oxygen that they're trying to use to start a fire. Okay, And sometimes that's good. That's good for us and it's good for other people too to sort of try to deprive people who are sort of set on this sort of instigation uh, to try to take that opportunity away from them. Okay, so let, let's kind of move to wrap up today. Let, what do we do with this information? Because I've been trying to be, you know, talk a little bit about how this is in all of us, right? It, it, Proverbs is not a book written to people who, you know, magically avoid all this stuff because they're just so wise already, okay? The truth is, you are all going to be like me, sitting in that office, surfing the web. You are all going to click on Lady Folly's pop-up ads, all right? I, I'm sorry, but you're going to. All right, the, the wisest person in this room is still gonna do this stuff from time to time. So we shouldn't think of ourselves as immune to this, right? It's easy to hear this stuff when, when you're hearing the sermon, when you're reading the book of Proverbs and say, oh yeah, yeah, easy to avoid, got it. I don't, don't wanna return to my vomit, that sounds gross. I would never shoot someone with flaming arrows of death, right? It's easy to think of ourselves as that type of person, but in reality, we actually end up clicking on these pop-up ads more than we realize, or, or like, to, like, like to say, okay? And so I imagine as you heard this stuff today, you thought, oh, I've done that before, or yep, I can recognize that tendency within me. I feel like that that's there sometimes, okay? And I wanna just say, First thing you should think, if you've had that thought today, is not, ah, no, what's so wrong with me? But actually, that's okay. It's a good thing for you to recognize that in yourself. There's no shame in it, okay? I want to actually encourage you and say, it's good for you to recognize that. I know myself, as I wrote the sermon, I was thinking of examples of myself doing all four of these things, okay? So, um, it's not, there's no shame in this, Right? Now, you might be prone to one of these over others, right? I think that's probably true. Like, there's going to be one of these things that you'll find yourself falling into or, or having sort of more pull towards than others. Right? Maybe you're always falling for the new exciting thing, right? The next social trend that says everything before it is, that's come is, you know, stupid and I just got to jump into this thing. It's the wave of the future and I want to be in on that thing, right? Or maybe you jump into things too quickly in conversations. You find yourself not having the patience needed. Uh, maybe you're always finding excuses to stay home. And let's be honest, COVID is really, you know, instilling this in us, right? To, 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 to make us think it is a lot easier to just stay home in my sweatpants 24-7, 365, right? It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make us all feel this pull of, of what Proverbs is talking about because that's just the way we're in right now. But like maybe you find yourself more prone to that. Maybe you find that you are unwilling to seek out growth in certain areas, right? Maybe you, you really want to be right and you keep going back to the same things over and over again, even though it's, it's the same result, but you don't care because you don't want to have to grow. You don't want to admit you are wrong about something. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you are prone to sarcasm. Maybe you do find that sometimes you do get a kick out of stirring people up sometimes, right? Whatever it is, whatever it is, wisdom assumes that you have fallen into this before, Right? And, and we've talked about this before, right? This idea you know, of cancel culture or whatever is so important, is so, such a big thing today. What it actually is is just we don't want to give, we, we don't want to assume people can grow, right? If, if someone has made a mistake, they're stuck there forever and we got to shame them for it. Wisdom is not cancel culture, right? Wisdom doesn't cancel you when you make a mistake. Wisdom is about um, trying to call us to grow, to learn, to, to learn from our mistakes, to take a, a, a mistake or take clicking on a pop up ad as an opportunity to learn not to do it again, 
And so wisdom talks a lot about discipline and correction. And we talked about this verse last week. To learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. Wisdom calls us to be coachable, calls us to be teachable. It calls us to stop listening to Lady Folly and turn to Lady Wisdom. But this assumes that we've messed up, that we, you know, we, 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 we've, we've broken something. We, we've, we've given into, we've clicked these pop-up ads before. And so accepting discipline and correction and seeking growth, this is a kind of wisdom that you can only really experience if you do mess up in some way. Yet Proverbs talks about it a ton. So wisdom is, is assuming that you will mess up sometimes. And that's what it means to learn to love discipline, to sort of find joy in growing and learning. And in this process, God is going to refine us. He's going to use it to uh, conform us to the image of Christ. We talked about that a few weeks ago as we were talking about this in our leadership sermon series about what the goal of Christianity is, is to be conformed to the image of Christ. God is going to use our mistakes, our times where we do click on pop-up ads to sort of help us to learn so we can grow next time. So don't shy away. When you find, if you find yourself uh, falling into these uh, traps uh, you know, that Lady Folly is calling us to, it's okay to admit that you did it and just try to learn from it and move on. Okay? It'd be, foolishness would be the thing to say, no, get defensive, I, did, I didn't make a mistake there. Wisdom says it's okay to admit it, to move on, to learn, and to try to seek out wisdom the next time you find yourself in a similar opportunity or situation. And, and as we've been doing every week, as we've been uh, going through this Proverbs sermon series, we're trying to f- talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ is the place where true wisdom is found and revealed. And when we get in, we talk about this idea of, of looking at something we've done wrong and turning from it and turning towards God, we're getting into the, the Christian uh, conception of repentance and confession and, and finding grace and forgiveness. And that is what is at the heart of the gospel. And so because of that, we can find verses like we do in this one in 1 Corinthians 1.30 where Paul tells us that it is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God right? Jesus is wisdom, the fullest revelation of wisdom that we have. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our what? Our redemption. So when we seek Jesus out as true wisdom, we're finding in him redemption, which is, which is only something we need when we've sinned, when we've made a mistake. And we can only access it when we're willing to repent and turn from our folly, turn from our uh, lack of wisdom, so, if, if, so, so when we're talking about the gospel, we're really finding the answer to all of this stuff that we've talked about here. The gospel comes alongside those who have walked down pathways of apathy or foolishness or mocking and it lovingly embraces them and calls them to turn back towards wisdom. And to start by doing that, by looking at Jesus himself and following him and living like him as he is the one who gives us the perfect example and the perfect uh, opportunity, the call, to be able to live out wisdom despite the fact that we do follow Lady Folly in all sorts of different ways. And so when we embrace the gospel, we are embracing wisdom and we are giving ourselves a new chance to live it out in the full clarity of Jesus himself, the true wisdom that has been given to us by God. Let's pray here, and then we'll move into a time of reflection and communion and worship. Lord, we thank you that you have
have given us this book of Proverbs and, and the rest of the books in the wisdom literature to help us to know what it looks like to live wisely and what it looks like to live unwisely so that we can avoid uh, the latter and search out the former. And we thank you, Lord, that when we do mess up, when we do follow Lady Folly, when we do recognize in ourselves that we're prone to, 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 to seek out uh, folly in these different areas, that we can turn from that and we can still have the same access to wisdom that we would have had if we had never turned and, and, and followed it in the first place, God. And we thank you that the ultimate uh, chance to turn from our folly and our wickedness is given to us in the gospel of Jesus, who, who lovingly comes alongside us and, and calls us to turn, but also to let us know that there is grace and that it abounds for us, Lord. I pray that when we find ourselves walking down paths of foolishness, that we would be quick to turn, we, we, we would be humble. We would not love our own, uh, our own wisdom, our own rightness, our own image that we portray to others, but we would love humility and we would love uh, wisdom enough that we'd be willing to turn from it and we would seek that grace out, God. That's our prayer as we go out from this place uh, this Sunday morning. In the name of Jesus, who is our wisdom, amen.